hello, hello, and welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions, and today's question is... The theater? The theater? What book of rules says the theater exists only within some ugly buildings crowded into one square mile of New York City or London, Paris or Vienna? Listen, Junior, and learn. Do you want to know what the theater is? A flea circus, also opera, also rodeos, carnivals, ballets, Indian tribal dances, Punch and Judy, a one-man band, all theater. Wherever there's magic and make-believe and an audience, there's theater. Donald Duck. Ibsen and the Lone Ranger, Sarah Burnt Hart and Poodles Hannaford, London Fontaine, Betty Grable, Rex the Wild Horse, Eleonora Deuce, all theatre. You don't understand them all? You don't like them all? Why should you? That's my question. That's the question. <laughs> I just like that quote. I just love that yeah. whole speech so much. Yeah, I wrote yeah. down that's my, my artistic statement now, yeah. is that quote. That's <laughs> it. Any sort of like... Why is this play relevant to do right now? And then it's like, this is my statement that's in the program. Uh, it's got, and you, no, you got to credit uh, Joseph Mankiewicz all the time, um, as we will on today's episode, which is, of course, about all, it, our episode is about All About Eve, the 1950 feature film, All About Eve, directed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz. And its subsequent musical theater adaptation, Applause, the 1970 musical, uh, with a book by Betty Compton and Adolf Green, music by Charles Strauss and lyrics by Lee Adams. As always, our wonderful producer and editor, Brian Moorhead, is here. Well, damn you, daddy. <laughs> That's my quote <laughs> from the musical. Sure. Well, damn you, daddy. <laughs> I just like how she says that. That's completely fair. Uh, and <laughs> it is. And our guest today, uh, who I'm so excited to have here, uh, she is a, a writer, a comedian, a storyteller, uh, maybe one of the best one-woman show people out there who's performed uh, all across the country at various fringe festivals and the like. Um, the brilliant Eileen Tull is here today. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy podcast. That's it. That's Somebody mm -hmm. had to say it. And you Somebody did. And you did. It. And I'm, it's, it's, oh, it's going to be bumpy. We'll see. Um, Eileen. We talked about last night how it's weird that he, that the line is night and not ride. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, also, yeah, it's actually. Is that the origin of that quote? Is this movie? May, I Who guess. I, yeah. I mean, this, this seems like a classic Joseph Mankiewicz line. I don't know. Um, I don't I can't imagine this existed beforehand. I don't know. Um, also, yeah. Well, I can't. Yeah. I mean, seatbelts were not That's necessarily what I like say. part of this culture. So, I mean, I don't know. Now I got to go Wikipedia. This is way before Ralph belts. Nader. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I gotta. Where, yeah, when did seatbelt seatbelt nomenclature well, they didn't enter the culture? The law until the late seventies. Gotcha. And yeah. even still, if if you don't want to wear a seatbelt, you have the right to have liberty and freedom because of your freedom and your states. liberty, mm -hmm. and that's what's more important: your freedom. <laughs> we all true. agree. I, we, you know what? <laughs> I don't disagree. 
Um, I will say before we jump into things, yes, uh, fun transparency alert. Uh, I went over to Bran's place uh, for the. I saw Bran in person for the first time since we started recording this podcast. <laughs> Not the first time ever, but yeah, since we started this. Yes, which was so bizarre. Which was, it was very bizarre, but really lovely. And oh, it was a nice night. Yes, it was a but just it's bizarre. Brilliant night, and not... and of course we watched. Uh, uh, what what classic film did we watch? Of course, the 2012 film Premium Rush. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> still never seen it. Oh, I still you, not, Eileen, still you got it. You absolutely, uh, Mike Shannon, Mikey Shannon. <laughs> Good. Ah, uh, he is so he is eating the scenery. He's not mm-hmm. chewing it. He is digesting the scenery in yep. this film like a whole car was <laughs> chomping on it. Close that door! Yes, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. God damn it. Yes, you're right. He does say God damn it really well. (laughs) (laughs) I can can hear him in my head saying it. I'm like, yep, I can hear that. I hear that Mm -hmm. cadence. Um, My only Michael Shannon story is that one time I was at the same party as he was, like very like tangentially at a party, and he was like making paninis. Uh, and right. I was too afraid to like go talk to him because I was like, well, that's a movie star. I'm just a person. And then I <laughs> thought it would be really funny to like start a rumor just among like my friends that were there that he and I made out. Oh, <laughs> and no. then like okay. one person was like, <laughs> one person was like, did you know that Eileen and Michael Shannon made out? I was like, oh my God, that was such a joke like it was so but then it came back to be something I had to be like, no, I was just making that up. He's just a nice man making paninis, and I was harassing him through a party. Anyway. I would love to can... see Michael Shannon make a panini. It sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was great. It was some good work. Was it, a good, you know, it was, was very intense. It, was it a good panini? I couldn't even, I couldn't even go over. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, I couldn't even taste it. In Premium Rush, uh, Michael Shannon plays a character named Detective Robert Monday. Bobby Monday. Bobby Monday. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a delightful film, but we're not talking about mm, worth um, the uh, the film that should have won Best Picture in 2012, Premium Rush. <laughs> um, not yet. Not I, until I, they make a musical out of it. Mm, mm. <laughs> Maybe that's my answer. Yeah, of whatever we do it, Premium Rush. On <laughs> premium Rush. <laughs> Bike ballet, you know. Um, oh. So actually, Eileen, you teed us up perfectly um because this is actually this is a fun case we're talking about today this is the only time we're ever this is the only time in history this has ever happened where a film uh that won the academy award for best picture all about eve in this case was adapted into a a musical that then won the tony award for best musical um never happened the, the closest um there was another case where like something uh, yeah, I mean, no, this is, I mean, this is the, clo- the the closest is like eight and a half, one for the best foreign language film, and then nine won the Tony for best musical. But uh, this is the only time where these specific awards, this, this makes sense, Um, which is bananas that like this, because I have very different feelings about both properties and we'll get into those, I suppose. But uh, Eileen, I, I gave you a list of shows um, again episodes to talk about and you unequivocally uh said i would love to talk about all about eve and i'd love to ask you what's it all about what is it all about well so i I, all about eve is one of those movies i can't remember the first time i saw it Mm -hmm. um i i was a brace yourselves i was a super cool kid in like middle school and high school 
I was the type of kid, I don't know if this is a type of kid or if it's just me, where I would go to a sleepover at like in seventh grade and they'd be like, do you want to watch The Matrix? Do you want to watch, I don't know, like She's All That? And I was like, well, I brought a movie. It's called Harvey starring Jimmy Stewart about a giant invisible rabbit. (laughs) And everyone was like, no, we don't want to watch that. And I was like, I'm putting it into the VCR as we speak. So I was always, I was raised on older movies and just, I thought that was uh, like the the coolest thing. The biggest cultural cachet was to be like, oh, you've never heard of this movie made before 1960. Sure. So I, so I was really prepped and primed for all of that. Um, and so, yeah, I can't remember when I saw All About Eve, but and, you know, I think it was in college when I was in school for theater. And to me, it is just such a, it's so cynical and bitchy mm-hmm. and yeah. quick and clever, but it's also not wrong. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It is not. No, fame corrupts us all. It, it truly does. Um, yeah. It's a fickle thing. Um, I, love the, I love the slogan for this film. It's all about women, dot, 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 and they're men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, the it's interesting. The poster, uh, if if you've seen it, the sort of um, iconic image of the poster is like the a bunch of couples together and like arrows pointing, yeah. as if they all mix and match. And like, there's a little bit of mixing and matching, and there's a little bit of like, but this isn't like Bob and Ted and Carol and Alice or whatever. Like, no. it's not really that. I mean, the men in general are like not that important <laughs> no outside of outside of addison dewitt yeah the most of the men are i mean yeah he george sanders george sanders won the oscar it, it's kind of it's sort of skipping around a bunch That's here. Wild. it's kind of wild that betty davis and ann baxter they were both nominated for lead actor this year neither of them won which is ridiculous to me um like, yeah it it makes no sense when you sort of like really think about it but then yeah but then he george sanders wins supporting actor um and, i mean he deservedly i think he gives a fantastic performance um but yeah it was just it's so odd to me that they that they both lost um to jennifer judy holiday mm-hmm. in born yesterday which yeah i mean that's a fun role i get it but have you seen it's all fine. about Eve? It's, yeah well and but this is the other thing they were also nominated with it's one other woman for a movie I've never seen, and then Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. So you're like, Whoa. ridiculous How year. She not yeah. What a year. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, here's my thing about Betty Davis not winning for this movie. Like, boohoo, she has two Oscars. <laughs> sure. You know? It, sure. I, like, I get it. It's just kind of funny that she was so she was gunning for it so hard and it was, she was so angry that Anne Bancroft got nominated in the same category. And it was like, yeah, girl, you already have two. Like, yeah, it's not as if this is your only chance. Like Gloria Swanson did not win an Oscar ever, you know? And it's, it's like this, you, you, you don't be greedy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Learn a lesson from the movie you just made. Honestly, honestly, truly just like fucking be happy with what you, with what you got. But it is, I don't know. It is still wild. Yeah. This was a huge year, like between this and yeah, between Sunset Boulevard, but no, all about Eve, it won, it won picture, uh, 
one director. So yeah, it's also so this is wild because yeah, the director it's Joseph Mankiewicz, um, the other Mank as I like to call him. Uh, his <laughs> it is his brother is Herman Mankiewicz of the of the hit feature film Mank. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which, you know, posits the question, like, what if Mank? What if there was a Mank? But there, yeah, what, what there if were, there was a Mank? Well, there were two of them. Uh, one of them wrote Citizen Kane, and one of them wrote All About Eve. Uh, double Mank. Double, you know? double the Mank, double the, <laughs> the very uh, pretentious film bros who love Mank. Um, <laughs> Mank's fine. Mank is fine. Mank is a fine movie. It's so aggressively fine. Yeah. Like, it's so fine. It is. It, and you know what? It, it's great for people who are, like, who are, get excited when a character walks through a room and they're like, is that supposed to be Ben Hecht? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yes, I God. enjoyed it. That's what I'm saying. But, like, for 90% of people, it's, you know, it's it's not that accessible. Think, it's, a, it's a movie for homework. Well, I think know. it's it's tough because I actually think... The, I would actually probably love Mank if anyone who was not Gary Oldman was playing Herman Mankiewicz. I think he single-handedly makes that film worse. It is just yeah. because he's Gary Oldman, and it's like, well, he's Gary Oldman. Well, not just because I like Gary Oldman. Well, not just because he's Gary Oldman, uh, but in kind of a Margot Channing way, he just is not suited for this role. Like he, like Herman Mankiewicz was like forty when he wrote Citizen oh, Kane, and Gary okay. Oldman is so clearly he's old man. Yes, he is old man. Like I was, I don't know if Eileen, you would agree with this uh, hashtag hot take I'm about to lay on you. Like, like Danielle and I were talking about like because we were watching Mank, and we were like, Gary Oldman fucking sucks. He's literally making this movie worse. Who would be a better uh, Herman Mankiewicz? And we both came to Kieran Culkin. I think awesome. I think Kieran Culkin kind of looks like Mank, and he actually kind of looks like Herman Mankiewicz, and he's got that kind of sly, slimy, mm-hmm. but also likable energy to him that makes so much sense for that character. Um, and I just like wish that could have happened. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, just want him to have more jobs. Yes, too. yes, I'd lo- I'd love to see him more, but I think he'd be a hell of a mank. You he, know, he, he'd mank all over the place. He could yank it to mank. <laughs> I, but it is true. Like anyone, as you said, that anyone that's coming into my head is like over fifty because the role seems to be like an older, washed up, yeah, kind of past his prime guy. And in you know nineteen forty, that was someone who was in their forties, like in terms of midlife point and things. Like it, it was like, wow, you're so old, you're forty one. Uh, so like sure. Paul Giamatti comes to into my head, sure. but even like Paul Giamatti is maybe too older for that, and maybe and maybe a little bit too uh, strange in his own way. I, I like Kieran Culkin as a as an option. Maybe they'll remake Mank. A remake. A remake. <laughs> remake. remake. We got a remake. Uh, that's, oh. But we're not talking about that Mank. We're talking about the other Mank, Joseph Mankiewicz, who wrote and directed all about Eve and won Oscars for his great screenplay. It is a great screenplay. Like it is an excellent. It is like maybe like top, top ten screenplays ever written. Yeah. Honestly, like those two hours and twenty minutes, genuinely, they fly by. 
Like, yeah. and, it's like and, an Albie script or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's sort of what it reminds me of is, is uh, Virginia Woolf. It is, it is, yeah. it is kind of wild. It is an inherently theatrical script, which is, yes. uh, we'll talk about sort of like the mechanics of what had to happen with the adaptation later, but because uh, there's a whole bunch of legal drama, uh, quote unquote. But yeah, it is just, yeah, it is just like so pitch perfect. I feel like it's like one of those screenplays where it's like every scene makes sense. They are all these like beautiful like dominoes of like, what like there's just such like efficiency of like storytelling of just like this has to be here for this reason and this reason and this reason and this reason and it's completely character driven mm-hmm. there's no like every step of the way even if there's some sort of gimmick or set piece it's like completely character focused yeah, and it, it, yeah. it's interesting because like obviously this is like the the betty davis and baxter show but it feels yeah. like an ensemble piece to me and i think like it's mm-hmm. it's wild because you have this like it's almost like a book. You have this sort of like voiceover device and you like, you have like, it starts off with Addison DeWitt's voiceover and then it goes, uh, and then it goes to Karen, to Karen and, and then it goes Karen, to Margot yeah. and like it switches around and it's just like, it is, it gives such a fullness to the world. And I think the most fascinating thing, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, Eve never narrates the film. She is, uh-uh. she never gives a voiceover. Definitely does not. Um, right. I think it's only those three, Addison, Karen, and Margot, that so, get yeah. their perspective. But yeah, I mean, it's such a, for having so many characters, so many like featured characters, and even though I said at the beginning, like the men are sort of whatever, we still get a pretty deeply drawn portrayal of, oh, of yeah. Lloyd oh, absolutely. and Bill. Bill. But yeah, like they're not just, uh, you know, flat characters, they're not nothing. You know, I think it's a really well-balanced screenplay. My only criticism of the screenplay, this is a hot take, I'm coming at you, Joe Mang, (laughs) is how dare you cut Thelma Ritter out of the second half of the movie? How very dare you yeah, i remember you you, you oh, in sure. your email you said that you're a an unabashed <laughs> thelma ritter stan i don't remember that but i'm sure i could put it on a t-shirt <laughs> tell, tell, talk, talk, to, talk to us about this what 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 uh, t- talk to us about thelma ritter let's get into thelma ritter she's one of the most nominated uh she's i think the most nominated supporting actress she never won wow. um she was nominated for this film she, so was celeste Holmes. she lost to who uh, what's her name from Harvey? Josephine Hull from sure. Harvey. Call back to Harvey. Anyway, um, <laughs> Thelma Ritter, I, I first saw her, I think, in Pillow Talk, which she was also nominated for. She plays, see if you can guess, a very sardonic, cynical housekeeper. <laughs> Away. <laughs> Who knew? <Then> I, <laughs> what's her character's name in this movie? Birdie. 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 <laughs> tweet, tweet, Birdie. Tweet, tweet. Uh, but she's also bye in, bye. She's mm-hmm. in Rear Window mm-hmm. as the cynical, uh, angry yeah. housekeeper. Hell yeah. She she has a lane. She sticks to it, and she pr- pushes the pedal to the metal. And you're like, yeah, this is exactly who you are, and I love it. I just she's also in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. She pops up as like mm-hmm. she's like, you know, this Santa Claus. Whatever he's doing, he's great. <laughs> she um, won a Tony Award. She won a Tony Award in nineteen fifty oh, wow. eight for a musical called New Girl in Town. Um, New Girl in Town. It's it's a musical version of the Eugene O'Neill play Anna Christie. Um, so do with oh. that. Do with that what you will. Um, but yeah, so yep. she did. Yeah, she did get a Tony, even though she uh, was an Oscar, an Oscar bridesmaid, if you will. 
Mm-hmm. But she, to me, is she's one of the best parts of this movie. And it is, it, they sort of don't explain why she disappears. I mean, I guess you could argue that Eve kind of uh, boxes her out. Yeah she, um, yeah, she usurps that role. Yeah. It's too bad that, yeah. it's too bad that Thelma Ritter didn't play a gay hairdresser because then he'd be in much more of the, of the <laughs> film. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that later. Um, now again, there are very there are reasons there are reasons for all this, but we'll get into them later. Um, it's also wild that just like Marilyn Monroe just shows up, just right smack dab oh, in the middle yeah. of the film. I had yeah. completely forgotten about that, yeah. and then she was like, "We were like, that's that? Yeah, that's definitely Marilyn Monroe, huh? Yes. Okay, wow. Yeah, she just like does a walkthrough, and you're like, oh, that's like one of the biggest." Uh, people that's ever lived like everyone right recognizes before. her yeah so, yeah like i mean she would have blown up a couple five years after pretty this much was yeah like, this was this shit. is definitely like one of her earliest mm-hmm. uh film roles yeah but so a little a little rewind so this is actually so all about eve is based on a 1946 short story called the wisdom of eve by mary Orr, um which it what the actual the whole short story is included in the booklets for the Criterion Collection edition Ooh. of the film. Uh, I sadly did not get a chance to read it uh, beforehand, uh, but I'm sure it is a it is a biting piece of uh, of short story writing, um, and it will that short story will be very important later on uh, when we start to talk about applause. But yeah, but and it's also. It, it kind of sucks because there was no screen credit given to that short story. Um, it was just like known that it was adapted from that, but it wasn't really. Uh, it was just like uh. all about Eve. Mank wrote this. Joe Mank wrote this. Um, and it kind of sucks for Mariel, who kind of who came up with the dang thing. Um, whatever. She she got the last laugh. Um, the music. Uh, I was very confused for a second because the music is. The score for this film was by Alfred Newman, and it's a lovely score, but I was very mm-hmm. confused why the mascot uh, for Mad Magazine uh, wrote the yeah. <laughs> the score for this Joe Mac. Uh, Alfred P. Newman. Alfred Alfred uh, Alfred E. Newman, excuse e. me. Newman. What excuse me, me worry. Um whatever. Um, <laughs> is that is that still is that still in the popular conscious Mad Magazine? Do kids know this? Know. Does it exist? Not really, I... no. No, I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a magazine anymore because I don't think magazines exist anymore. But <laughs> I I remember being I wasn't I was never allowed to read or like even pick it up because it was like inappropriate. Sure. Because I think there was like a sure. butt on the cover once. Yeah, so, totally. So I can't have that. <laughs> I know. I have like I have such a reaction to it even now as like an old old adult to be like, oh, we're like we're talking about Mad Magazine. Like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Like, let's get into the really dirty part of culture. <laughs> It just makes me miss Mad TV, which was like that and then sure. Living Color were the funniest sketch shows uh, of their day. Abs- you know? Oh, absolutely. And, our, and Mad TV is still funnier than 90% of SNL, so, uh, yeah, I got to say. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I Yeah. It's so, it's so funny. Unlike SNL, it's so funny because there was actually there was the, the the season finale happened like a few, a few weeks back from when we were recording this. And it was uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, was the guest. And I gotta say, and obviously comedy is subjective, but I gotta say that most of the sketches on that episode were very funny. There was a great okay. sketch with, like, Beck, Beck, 
Bennett as Vin Diesel uh, promoting like AMC theaters and like the movies are back, the popcorn, the sticky carpets, the cardboard cut out, <laughs> the cardboard cut out of Garfield that so you can tell people you saw Garfield the movie. And I was like, there's some funny stuff happening here, and I'm just like, where is this every other week of the I fucking know. year? Like, I think yeah. clearly, ha- like, and I get it. It is probably very fucking stressful to write a sketch show in one week uh all yeah in one week as if they weren't writing like all summer last sure. year you know, I know. but then you have but like it's not like most of their sketches are oh this is exactly topical for only this <laughs> sure. week it's usually quite the opposite and then but then you're like your fucking overseer is like this ridiculous uh non-problematic individual lorne michaels who gets to dictate what is and isn't if we may use our word from season one he's a fascinating from- individual <laughs> Well, he's so medium. And so like, he's such a medium person and such a medium artist, but he is really good at getting people in a room together. And I just think like, I I, abusing them while in that room. Yeah. It's, but it's also like, I mean, SNL at this point is so, it's so um, into its own brand as being such a legacy that like, I mean, I appreciate when they take big swings, but I think like they, they, they walk in every week being like, well, we're SNL and people think we're funny. And it's kind of like, well, not anymore. (laughs) Like not so much, (laughs) you know? And also like no one, I mean, who watches the full show on a Saturday night? Like I just so wait for the many people. A lot still. of people. Ugh, a lot of people do. So many people still watch it um, every week. It's wild. So, uh, speaking of things that people watch a lot, uh, I would say a lot of people. <laughs> I don't know. Fucking segue into this thing. Um, I love. So the the get we start out with the Saracen Society. Uh, which has na- which has become an actual award, which is also ridiculous. They're like, well, we're gonna. It wasn't before they named it after the movie. Yes. Oh, yes. I did not know that. Yes. It's- so I watched Nerds. I watched the movie and then I watched <laughs> two commentary tracks. Hell yeah. Oh, hell um, yeah. And one of the commentary tracks is Celeste Holm. It's the writer of a of a biography of, of um Joseph Mank, and then it's Joe Mank Joe Mank's son. Um I forget oh, cool. his first name, but it's probably something like John or Jeff <laughs> Mank. Um, they didn't want to call him Hank Mank. <laughs> mm-hmm. Didn't want to do that. That's a shame. Um but Mank Jr. And so Mank Jr. talks a lot about, you know, like his father's perspective and things like that. And he said, you know, his that his dad thought it was so stupid that these dummies in Chicago came up with the Saracen Society. He was like, didn't they see the movie? And like it, it was a, a, a parody of an award, blah, blah, blah. And then apparently both Celeste Holm and Betty Davis have received the Saracen's Award in real life. From the Saracen yeah, Society. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I don't. I, I'm confused about this award because it, it says, according to the Wikipedia page, it says it's presented to an actor for an outstanding performance in a Chicago theatrical production. But like Betty Buckley, it's always it always goes to famous people. Like it gone to like fucking like Betty Buckley and like Patty Lapone and Kathleen Turner. And it's like when the hell have they done stuff in Chicago? 
Like, well, and are we counting like, you know, like fucking doing like a concert in Millennium Park? Yeah. Is that I'm sure that they are. Thing? Like, who is the who are these people that vote on this and present this? I'm sure it is a uh, is mysterious. I'm sure it is as mysterious as uh, they want it to be. And I'm sure that they are quite a legitimate uh, group of uh, yeah. nominators. Yeah, what like Hetty Weiss <laughs> and everyone at uh, at the a member of the Chicago Cabaret Professionals. Ah! I I hope it's just <laughs> I hope it's just the Jeff Committee and they just like put on different oh my hats God. and they're like yeah, no one totally. knows it's us. Oh. Jo- they changed their name. Tag. Joseph Jefferson, <laughs> who's that with the Sarah Siddons? Uh, don't worry about us. Uh, yeah, they're, they're pulling little fake mustaches, little hats. It's great. Is culture ready to be like actually all awards are bad? No. Like we should shouldn't be giving no, rid, people, getting, people, giving out awards. I, I, I am so conflicted because I'm a fucking awards junkie, but I also completely like understand how I love the spectacle. Yeah, I love the spectacle, and I, I again like we've, this has come up before. Like how I sort of I think there is some joy and fun to be had in the categorization of arts, but I think sure. like yeah, but I think maybe there's a difference. Like I like the Obie Awards in New York where they don't mm. they don't have nominations. They're just like here's the stuff we liked this year, and here's your prize. And some of these prizes also come with money, so here's some money. Um, like uh-huh. I like, yeah, I, I maybe no rankings. Yeah, I, maybe like non-competitive awards can be nice. Yes, I think those. Yeah, but yeah, like stuff like this. Um, I mean, like this is this is of course the the Golden Globes aren't happening next year, which I think is great. I think there should <laughs> never be a Golden Globes. Ever again, I think the only reason I like the Golden Globes is because people get sloshed at sure. it, and it's yeah. funny to watch. Sure. But otherwise, no, the worst. This, they should just turn it into like a roast. Yeah, you know, it should, sure. instead of like sure. giving trophies, they should be like Johnny Depp made the tourist. Can you fucking believe that? And like, hey, Johnny Depp, come up, come up on stage, you millionaire dumbass, and like, let's all <laughs> laugh at you for a second. Only <laughs> if they actually that. roast him alive, yeah. I think, is Johnny Depp needs to be the subject. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just do a Johnny Depp roast. Um, but I did want to just jump in to say too that I think this movie says a lot about awards for a movie that goes on to win <laughs> a butt ton yeah, of I, awards. Yeah, that's very funny. But then also, I it's interesting. I don't think that they. Uh, have a lot to say about criticism, but they have a lot to say about a critic. Yeah. You know, Addison DeWitt is oh, like yeah. one of the best character, one of the best, you know, critic characters ever. He's so but good. Yeah. It's interesting how they don't really grapple with his relationship. I mean, like he's a critic and he's like at a party with them. He's hanging out. He's very social. He's part of the scene. Yeah. And, you know, there is a sense of like, I mean, one could also say, what is the point of, of, having an anointed theater critic who is the most important man in town. I don't know. There's might be, Hmm. you know, some comparisons that someone could make Hmm. to, to Chicago schmishmones. And I think, but the, but the movie sort of, um, but the movie doesn't address that. And we see him kind of abuse his power and say like, I could, you know, write something or Addison could write this up and it could end your career. But yeah, I would advocate if we're going to get rid of awards, let's get rid of critics as well. Oh, <laughs> no argument here. I mean, at least in that way or every or or we should just treat the old axiom as actual true and that everyone's a critic. You know what I For mean? Sure. Yeah. And like teach people how to talk about art and teach people how to, uh, you know, constructively criticize things and talk about 
what like explore what something has to say rather than being like I don't know I thought this person was really good because I have an agenda to maybe make them into something or whatever you For know sure. and yeah. yeah and like you know Eileen it, it is tough because you are you are saying these things on a show that is uh, hosted by someone who uh, in their spare time is a critic so it is sure. no, no. <laughs> I do know that I do know well and I pre- but you're also and I, not who we're talking about no I about, know but know. I'm, I'm saying like I you know like I, I think there is I think there is value to really good criticism and I think there is absolutely. value to I, I think yeah, yeah I think but I think you're absolutely right the sort of the uh the the notoriety and sort of the 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 authoritative power that especially one critic holds i think is something that should absolutely not exist within any kind of ecosystem especially i mean especially a theatrical ecosystem so yeah like one person working at the tribune uh in chicago should not have the critical power to like to dictate whether a show uh sells out their run or not which is which is a a fact that happens like if chris Chris jones gives you a four star i'm just i don't give a shit if chris jones gives you a four star sorry that he listens if Chris Jones gives you a four star review, you are guaranteed a sold out run, and it's and that is depending, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I've I've worked at theaters and I've talked with artists who say like the difference between like a three point five and a four star review yeah. is like a few hundred thousand dollars like it insane it it isn't so like that like no as the great kanye west has sung before no one man should have all that power like it's so yeah so so what i'm hearing is that we want to bring back tom williams the chicago critic oh yes that's what we're at wow Wow. wait am i getting kicked off the zoom what's happening oh my god Uh, but so actually that's a name i haven't heard in many years uh, many uh, sorry many years uh <laughs> many years oh wow uh, anyway um, so no so anyway actually i want to uh sorry. stay in this lane but also move somewhere else so i want to talk about sure uh especially the relationship with addison and eve uh, oh this film is all about her uh i've been told um first of all and baxter really good just I, I know there's there was a lot of sort of like Betty Davis uh, love and discussion before, but I think Anne Baxter gives a wonderful performance. It it it's while she goes on to be a replacement in the Broadway run of Applause, playing yeah. Margot Channing, which is bananas. Cool, uh, I love it. Well, she has. I mean, people have said like, yeah, oh, Betty Davis should have won the Oscar for this. She's so great. And and she is, but Betty Davis has the showier part. Yeah. She has the meatier lines. She has the sort of like uh, cutting woman uh, with a capital W kind of part. Yeah. Whereas Anne Baxter is playing Eve, who for the majority of the movie is like, oh, well, I just certainly couldn't open that door because my hands are so small. <laughs> I <sure>. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to believe that that's who she is, yeah. you know? You have to like not even suspect that she's like a single white female insane person, and Honestly, then to yeah. see these little turns, and then to, and then to believe the ending too. And I think what's so great about her performance is you do sympathize with her, you you empathize with her. You you, you like she's not a dastardly villain. You no. kind of see where she's coming from because she's human. Like she again is not a horror movie trope. Like fatal attraction, big giant performance. It's like, oh yeah, I could see why she did all she did. Oh yeah, and then no, there are definitely like cycles. people who 
abuse relationships to gain notoriety in in the world of uh, entertainment. That is a thing that people do all the time. Turns out. All the time. I do think in that first monologue, though, in the dressing room, like when she comes back and they're like, no, please, we're interested. Tell us your story. That she is giving such a performance that I think to me has always read as an actor get delivering a monologue yes. though. And I think that's really brilliant because she's, I mean, she's making it up, but also like that's exactly what she's doing is performing there. And I feel like that scene especially feels so put on in such a good, interesting way that Ann Baxter's making the choice there. Very good. Yeah. Well, and cause she's obviously like, she's been rehearsing yeah. for this, this life. It's and her audition. I, yeah. Literally, yeah. You know, it's her, all backstage. Hey? Yeah. We, we never see her alone. We never see her in her thoughts. We always see her with other people, yeah. except for the two moments where she's like holding the dress up and bowing, yeah. which mm-hmm. I think is a genuine moment. Like oh, yeah. I think she yeah. is genuinely caught doing that. And then when she's in the, like after she tries to seduce Bill and she like, I think that's the first moment Loses we see her it. freak out. And she's like trying to rip the yes. wig with her hands. Yeah. Oh, I love that shit. <laughs> and then when she's with Addison and she's found out, and that's like just like pure id yeah. coming mm-hmm, out, mm-hmm. kicking and screaming like a toddler on the bed. So I wanna, you know? Yeah, and I want to talk about this for a hot second. So there's a lot. There's a lot of discussion. I've read a lot of great stuff, sort of all about uh, Eve as uh, a queer coded character. Um, or and not even queer coded, like just as a queer character, and like I feel like it is. But there's like that scene where like a girl like picks up the phone, uh, at like uh at Eve's home, and then like she hangs it up, and then literally walks up the stairs with uh with Eve like arm in arm, and obviously what there's like 1950, like Hayes Code is like still in in use, so like there's only so much yeah. they can really say, so much they can really show, um. But, and there's, like, a lot of talk a lot about, like, how even Addison, like, got to... How sort of they found each other in this film, right? Because I feel like Addison is also kind of queer-coded as well. So it's... And it's, like... I think some people can sort of, like, call them as, like, vil- say they're, like, villainous characters or, like... But, I, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to push way against that. I think they're characters who know that they cannot be them true self their true selves in the world of entertainment mm. and yeah it's just like this is what i have to do i cannot be yeah. my most like for eve like i cannot be my most authentic self and this is this is how i know i can climb the ladder and so this is what i'm gonna do like fuck off yeah well and i think regardless of the the queer subtext um reading of it i think we see people we see karen and Margot have to sacrifice or they have to deal with a lot because of the, their love that they have, that their romantic love. And we see Bill, uh, kind of sticking by Margo because he loves her. And I think, I feel sorry for him in a lot of this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's such an interesting character, but I think like, he seems like such a nice guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like ultimately. Yeah. He seems like a good director. I would say he seems like he knows. I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, no, uh, we're talking about Bill Sampson played by (laughs) Gary, uh, Gary Merrill. Um, he is, uh, Margo's boyfriend and then husband eventually. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He like, uh, Eve tries to hit on him at one point and he's like, no, thank you. Bye. Uh, yeah. which is great. Every time I watch this movie, I think I'm like, oh yeah. Cause remember I'm like, yeah, she's going to go to the one guy. Then she's going to go to the other guy. But no, like Bill literally is like, oh, absolutely not. I'm in love with Margot. Yeah. 
And then, and then his reasoning is like, I don't, I don't like women to come to me. I want to come to them. Like, which is all right. 1950. All right. But, um, I think with Addison and Eve, my reading of it as a, uh, like kind of a dumb Catholic from Ohio, which I was for such a long time. Um, neither of those things are true anymore. And (laughs) I, you know, I'd like never met a gay person. And I was like, Ellen has short hair. And so I had always been like, they can't love anyone else because it it will get in the way of their ambition Mm. and everything. So like, that's why neither of them, like, that's what the movie's trying to tell me Uh. is that like they're, they can't love anyone because they're bad with that sort of like the subtext that I think a lot of queer coded characters had where it was like, they can't love anyone because they're bad and gay. And we think those are the same. Oh yeah. So it's, Interesting. I mean, I, it's always surprising to me that Joseph Mankiewicz is not a gay man by all reports because he writes these roles for women and he is so interested in women and he writes uh, these roles as if like he were a gay man in the company of women a lot of times. And he um, is so often compared to George Cukor who was a, a closeted gay man, a, a kind of a contemporary who directed the women who directed mm-hmm. um, just a lot of, he was a, a partnership with Catherine Hepburn for a while. And <laughs> there was a quote, I forget if it's like how attributed it is, but that Joseph Mankiewicz was like, yeah, well, George befriended women and I fucked them. <laughs> I was like, well, amazing. <laughs> Cause by all accounts, by his son's account, he was very interested in fucking women and very interested in like what made them tick and was very interested in cheating on his, his wife. Sure. <laughs> so uh, you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of discussion about, yeah, them sort of like coding the fact that like, Oh, the, again, like I said, the gay characters sort of like the villains or like their, their queerness is, is quote unquote bad. But apparently, uh, Joe Mank himself, uh, said in an interview, uh, he argued that society should quote, Drop its vendetta against them. <laughs> nice. Uh, Joe Mank, hashtag ally, question mark? Uh, hey, it's almost June, baby. <laughs> Wait, this is dro- this is dro- I think this is dropping in June, so... Yeah. It'll be June when this is out. Yeah, hashtag kink at pride. Uh, <laughs> hashtag spank to Mank. <laughs> Joe Mank says gay rights. All right. Joe Mank said gay rights. He really did. Um, he really truly, did. Truly. So, yeah, so this is... A, yeah, I mean, this is... Eve is like climbing up the ranks. She's like, "Oh, let me help you out, Miss Channing. Let me, I'll, I'll set up this uh, phone call to to Bill and like, uh, like send him all the notes of like what you're up to." And it's like she sort of starts to crawl her way into Margot's life in ways that seem uh, just like nice and just like helpful at first. But then, yeah, you're sort of like, "Oh, again, yeah." Sort of like, is she single white femaleing Margot Channing's yeah. career uh, kind of thing? Um, it gets to, and then yeah, it gets to this point where there's this party where Marco's just like kind of sick of Eve. Um, she del- wearing it's her birthday party. It no, it's his it's birthday, birthday party. It's his birthday party. Um, yeah. She's wearing an amazing dress that has pockets, <gasps> pockets. and fur oh. on the pockets, yeah. and it is a wonderful dress. When she Iconic. put her hands in those pockets, I screamed, I "Pockets!" Know. I was like, "Pockets!" <laughs> oh, you did too. <laughs> uh, exactly what happened in my household. Uh, but then, well, yeah, and then she delivers, of course, the iconic line, 
Fasten your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a puppy, puppy podcast. She said it. She said it back in 1950. Uh, which is I fascinating. Drinking, drinking like five Gibsons. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Pretty good. Pretty um, good. Can you make a good drinking game out of this oh, movie? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You're a it, gin head. Anytime someone says Eve, or if you're listening to this podcast, anytime we say Mank, take a drink. Hey, there you <laughs> go. I, I love, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sober, but I love getting drunk to podcasts. It is a... Yeah. It's a fun activity. <laughs> Everybody's normal like pastime. As, as a sober person, somebody's got a drink for me, and it's going to be you people listening every time I say "mank." And if and if go. it's an elongated "mank" like that, that you have to finish your drink. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to hold it. Perfect. Or if you're if you're or if you're sober, you can finish your Lacroix. I don't know. You do you. Yeah. Um, go get it. But yeah. So anyway, so yeah, Margot finds the producer uh, Max Fabian. And it's like, you got to hire Eve in your office. Like, you, I, I want nothing to do with this uh, well, woman anymore. And let me just point out that the only person who's, the reason she's sick of, of even suspecting her is because Birdie is sure. fucking zoned in. Birdie's like, I didn't trust her from the moment I saw her. Mm-hmm. She's trying to take over your life. She's studying you like you was a play or something. And Margo's like, <laughs> you're right. So again, it all goes back to the goat, Thelma Ritter. Hey, she used to close the first act in vaudeville. Okay. I love that. Well, and I love that little detail. <laughs> a, like, nice little theater history fact right there. It's uh-huh. so great. And it also shows just the cyclical nature of the business where like Bernie yeah. used to be the star and now she is merely dresser. the dresser. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. what's going to happen to Margo? What's going to happen to Eve? And then what's going to happen to fucking Phoebe? Although we'll get to her. I'm sure <laughs> we'll get to Phoebe at the end. Oh, we, oh, we, we, we got it. We got it. We, the cycle <laughs> continues. Um, but yeah, so then uh, Eve finds her way to uh, audition to be uh, Margo's understudy, and she gets it. Apparently, she she knocked it out of the park. Good, good for her. And Baxter's a good actor. I don't deny it. Um, and then, as just as a fun little prank, it's a fun little thing. Karen's like, "Ooh, I'll take all the gas out of uh, my husband's car, so that we'll be stuck in the snow." Um, isn't that not just a prank? She says like. Sometimes people need a kick in the ass sure. to like make the change in their life, and she's trying to be a good friend by like you know making her friend sort of go forward yeah. uh, and move on. But yeah, it's a fun little prank of getting <laughs> missing your show. Ooh, Isn't that right? hilarious? Well, and Karen, like Karen's so interesting too because she takes like she is so attached to Eve from the beginning. Yeah. She is sort of like bringing her in, and like at the party they have a conversation where Eve's like, can you please tell Lloyd that maybe I should be the understudy? I, uh, I guess I do know every line. <laughs> so Karen's the one that plants that seed. Yeah. And yeah. then Karen's the one who, who does the gas. And it's, so it's sort of like, yes, I want to help my friend Margo, but like, I also want to help out this really lovely person who I feel like I'm a mentor to, nice. to. Yeah. you know, like Eve has nowhere to go, nothing to do. She needs help from me. And Eve the whole time is like, "Yes, bitch, do my bidding." <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, who's the? What's the name of the actor who plays Karen? Karen? Is Celeste, Celeste Holmes. Holmes. Celeste Holmes. She's great. Celeste Holmes. Yeah. yeah, she's great. And then yeah, her husband uh, in the film, uh, Lloyd Richards, who is the playwright, played by Hugh Marlowe. Um, mm-hmm. Just a lot of a lot of good looking folks hanging out in this thing. Mm-hmm. I what I love about Lloyd Richards is he is like such a great portrayal of a playwright because he's like this kind of uh 
sort of dumb white man. And then yep. when he sees Eve do the audition, he like he's like, you won't believe how good she is. She's so vibrant and interesting and young and beautiful. And I was like, yep, that's a playwright. Yep. yep. <laughs> boy. It's as if I heard my words anew. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but boy. then, yeah, so since they're stuck in the, stuck in the car, uh, Eve is able to go on. And Eve has conspicuously invited every theater critic in town to that one performance as if something special is about to happen. Uh... But yeah, so then Addison shows up. Um, and yeah, Karen and Margot have sort of this really lovely introspective conversation in the car where Margot's like, I know who I am. I know that I am this fucking egotistical woman who, like, I bring my ego off stage with me and it is nightmarish for everyone around me. And it's like, all right, good on you. <laughs> good on you for acknowledging that, Margot. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, again, from the beginning when like, I forget who says what, but, um, at the beginning of the, of the movie, like Betty Davis turns around, she's like, Oh, it's just me and my big mouth. Like, don't, don't even like pay attention to me, but like, don't really pay attention to me, Mm -hmm. which I think is such an interesting portrayal rather than just a like straight up diva at a hundred percent the whole time. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I guess this place where, yeah. So Eve is, uh, Eve has gotten rave reviews, and then uh, Addison... Addison can sort of, like, start to see the holes in Eve's story. She's like... he's like, Yeah, he's like, have you ever been to San Francisco? Uh, <laughs> which I'm like, oh, there it is. There's your... There's your... There's that subtext for you. Uh, <laughs> I will say, so, so George Saunders is... No one has ever said the word Schubert better, you know? Just, he's like, oh, sure. His the voice, Schubert. His voice Schubert. is delicious. I mean, like, capital A astounding uh, choice to have him be the first voiceover of the film. Because it's just like, well, that is how you start off the story. And we all know, I'm sure, that he was the voice of Shere Khan in The Jungle Book. Of course. Do we all That's know that? That's what it was. Hell yeah. Yes. Hell yep. yeah. Um, yeah. George Sanders, uh, no, no relation to the, uh, uh, the wonderful, uh, writer George Saunders. Um, uh, I know. Li- I always say <laughs> yeah, it, sure. it should be Saunders because he's, it, I know it should be like, it's, it feels like he should have a, a little bit of a fancier name, but he doesn't no. also n- no relation to Barry Sanders, the football player. No. What about Just, Bernie? <laughs> oh, what about, La- I don't think so. What about Larry? <laughs> Like the, I think do this they all day. actually the, might be the fictional character Larry Sanders. Um, <laughs> but either way, so yeah, so Addison's starting to pick holes in this thing, um, and then Addison uh, writes a whole column where Eve pretty much just like calls out Margot Channing, and she's like, ah, she doesn't want the young kids of the day to to rise up, and Margot's like, dude, the fuck, uh, what happened? <laughs> um, I thought we were tight. Oh, he took all my my words out of. Context. I didn't say that at all. I but- mean to say. I just also want to point out two things. Margot is 40 years old. Yeah. She's 40 years old in this movie. And that also the action of this film takes place over like eight months. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Isn't, I, I didn't realize that until this watch because uh, Karen is literally like, but it all started like 
Last fall. I guess that would be it. I was like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Last yeah, fall. Yeah, yeah, Last yeah, fall. Time, yeah, I know. Time moves uh, pretty wildly in this film. Um, in the theater. But yes. I like when she comes into the that audition there uh, after the fact and the move she pulls to like, say piss off to max fabian and she just takes her coat and goes over his head when she walks past him that's such a good power move no. just it's somebody with your coattails she's like she's like oh so i guess eve's not working at your office max and he just goes <laughs> He's like, uh, no comment no comment no comment um, but yeah so there's this big thing lloyd richards has this uh new play that he's written and apparently it's like this brilliant masterwork, and everyone thinks that like it, the the lead role is perfectly written for Margot, and uh, they and they go to like and then uh, Karen like goes to the restroom, and who's there but but Eve and Eve's like, you gotta you gotta tell Lloyd that I'm gonna be the lead, I I want this role this role's gonna be for me, um, but then but then she comes back to the table and Margot's like. You know, I don't want to play that role. I think someone else should play it. And it's like this whole fucking emotion. Karen's like, oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm off the hook. Her face is so funny. Because Eve is like, I'm going to tell Addison what you did with the gas tank. And like, and she really, that's yeah. a, a moment where she like lets herself be seen. She's like, you've got to tell Lloyd. You've just got to. And then Karen's like, oh, Margo should go on tour. Right. And then eventually... When she goes back to the table, it's like, <laughs> and she does like laugh really hard because she's like, oh, fucking good. Thank God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't um, have to deal with this now. God, who is it? Uh, I think everything's coming up, Karen. My favorite. <laughs> that's the only time we can ever say that. Everything is coming <laughs> up, Karen. Um, I will. I love. Uh, and then, yes, yeah, so after this whole thing in the restroom, uh, Eve comes back to the the table. She, Eve's hanging out with uh, Addison at this restaurant, and Addison's like, are you hungry? I wouldn't imagine so after that humble pie. Yeah. <laughs> like, cracker <laughs> jack screenwriting. Oh, love this she, dialogue. It's so funny. Yeah, and she because Eve is so like, well, I, I couldn't possibly, like, huh, not me, no thanks. I know. It's so, and it's funny, like, with Addison. I think when he, when he confronts her finally, he's like, you must have mistaken me for those idiots that you play around with. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. I'm Addison DeWitt, and I am nobody's fool. And I'm like, <laughs> sing it. It's true, he is. But then, yeah, so mm-hmm. then, uh, and then uh, Eve is like, all right, so he's talking with Addison, and she's like, so now my plan is I'm going to try and sleep with Lloyd, and then I'll be the lead, and it's all going to be great. <laughs> and Addison's like, all right. Uh, I'm gonna pump on the brakes <laughs> right here, right now. First of all, your name isn't even fucking Eve Harrington. What's wrong? With- it's Gretchen. <laughs> bum bum bum. Uh, yeah. What is it? It's yeah. Her name is uh, no. It's it's Gertrude. Gertrude. Uh, Slushinsky or something like that. Yes. Um, and yeah, but you're like. I, like I get, I get the change. I get the name change. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. been lying about the her whole. She's been lying about her whole story this whole time. Uh, and yeah, it's like Addison's like, you're going to do everything I say. You're not going to do your little games anymore. You're not sleeping around anymore. You're already wrapped around my finger. Um, and he was like, well, I guess I am. That's showbiz for you. Uh, and then we. What's he got? Uh, what does he get out of this deal? That's well, something I wasn't a clear on. I mean, this is, I think, the problem is that because these characters are so queer-coded, 
and whether that's, you know, how much of that intentionality was there or whether that's us looking back and, and um, looking at it through that lens. But I think the film is trying to tell you that Addison wants to fuck Eve. And I don't think like, I don't feel that, but I think the film is like, he's like, you are mine. And I'm like, but, but don't you guys want to go to San Francisco? Like, I don't see that as a, as a thing. But I also would wonder too, if it is a, the power move of like, he gets to make or break a star. He gets yeah. to be seen with her. It's this whole kind of like, you know, it's, it seems from the beginning of the, of the timeline of the film that Margot isn't really interested in Addison. Like, like no. that little group is no. not really into him. They're just like, Oh, he, he party, exists. But, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're like, Oh, you're here at the party. It's like, he's like, when the college professor comes to the party, you're like, Hey, cool. You're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm so so uh, glad you're drinking a PBR with me. Like, oh. Uh. <laughs> uh, but then yeah, so then but we it, we go back to the Sarah Students Award. Uh Eve gets her awards. Um and then yeah, the then she goes back to like her hotel and the young woman is there, this woman Phoebe. And he's like, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, I just, the door was open and I just I had to see you. And it's just the the cycle just fucking it just keeps going and has this beautiful, like, final shot of this young mm. woman, Phoebe, like, standing in, like, the, with all the mirrors around her, holding the Sarah yeah. Sins Award. Ugh, oh, and it's just, like, it, it, it's, awesome it's just, like, fame is bad. Celebrities are bad. Uh, it, it does Awards bad. No good yeah. for anyone. Well, and it's, you know, in, in a way, the ending is so interesting because it's, like, Addison and Eve kind of deserve each other. Yeah. You know, they, they don't love each other. They don't give love to each other. And I, it's so hard. And the musical also addresses this, <laughs> that Margot's, Margot's happy ending is to be like, I'm too old to be an actress anymore. I want to be a housewife sure. and I want to be with the man I love, Bill. And there's this scene after I think it's the article comes out where Eve's like, fuck Margot. And Bill runs in and he's like, I just read it. How dare she? And Margot's like, <laughs> boo. And so it is this happy ending, but I don't know. It sort of makes me feel like, well, now she has satisfaction because she has the love of a good man. Yeah. And you're like, I guess. And it's, you know, it's interesting. And like, well, we're about to talk about this where I feel like applause, the musical adaptation, is more of a, this is what life in the theater is like kind of thing. And I feel like this is more just about power dynamics and like relationships yeah. um more mm-hmm. than anything like i feel like it, it's it is more successful as a interesting character study than it is like a look i mean I, even though it is sort of like heralded as like the showbiz movie or like one of the best it movies. is like a quintessential backstager yeah for sure. but i think it is i think it's mainly because of that because it's just more interested in the spe- the specificity yeah. of these relationships more than just like well that's showbiz for you um like i feel like this sort of like power hungry like climbing the ladder thing can really be applied to like any sort of hierarchical system in sure. any way right sure. it just happens to well, be about theater actors or actors yeah, in general, yeah. we've seen this story happen so many times uh you know whether it is uh, the classic pseudo remake of all about eve showgirls sure <laughs> <laughs> but like <laughs> You see it in in Wall Street. You see it in The Secret of My Success. You know, you see it in all of these, like, different movies about business or about 
any type of business where there's like a a mentor and a mentee and you see the mentee start to rise Mm -hmm. and the mentor start to fall and the clash there. But yeah, I, I mean, I feel like simultaneously, this is one of those movies that I'm like, Oh my God, you're so like, say it, Jay Mank. You're, you've got, you've got us nailed to the wall. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, absolutely fuck all of this. It's none of it's aspirational. You know, no. like none of it's aspirational. No. Although I am going to a party tonight. It was my first in-person party. Oh, wow. I, Congratulations. I, Thank you. I do kind of want to ruin it. You know what I mean? Like it does make you want to ruin a party. You should show up in, you should show up in that dress with the pockets. Mm-hmm. Yep. With like a Drink big a lot of Gibsons. fur coat. Yeah. There's so many fur coats in this movie. Oh, beautiful. <sighs> one it, of my favorite it, it lines. One best is... costume for best costume <laughs> design. Black and white. One best coats. <laughs> yes. Was one... it was it Edith Head that did this? Sure did, yeah. I believe I'm, so. I'm sure it was. One of my favorite lines is when Thelma Ritter walks in and there's like a pile of mink coats on a bed and she says something like, looks like a dead animal routine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mank loves his minks. Uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> Manks love the minks. minks. Um, so yeah, so this film did uh, fantastically well at the Academy Awards uh, that year. One Best Picture, Director, yeah, no, Ann Baxter and Betty Davis, neither of them won uh, actress, but George Sanders won Supporting Actor. Uh, yeah, both Celeste Holm and Thelma Ritter uh, were nominated for Supporting Actress. Uh, it won screenplay, it won costume design, it won best sound recording. Um, but yeah, it uh, did pretty well. Um, can I can I drop in one more thing about some, some mank, uh, mank facts? You got it. We love those Mank facts. <laughs> so Herman Mankiewicz, the Mank of the Mank, he won an Oscar in 1941 for Citizen Kane, for co-writing Citizen Kane. So for 10 years almost, Joseph Mankiewicz is like watching his older brother like be a star, be the toast of the Hollywood town. Uh, Something that they talk about on the commentary is like the competition, the competitive nature of this movie is really based on the Mank versus Mank dynamic. (laughs) Yeah. And so the idea that like someone's getting an award at the beginning of the movie is like because he had to walk into uh, Mank's house every day and see that Oscar. And he was like, oh, I'll just never get an Oscar. And so I really like to think, to recontextualize this movie, uh, that it's all about Mank. All about Mank. Isn't it always, isn't it always about Mank? Um, The only other thing I have to say for right now about All About Eve is that there is a uh, 2009 film uh, called All About Steve. And that's it. Oh, there is? (laughs) Yeah, it's the Sandra Bullock one. It is abhorrent yeah i would imagine so and i i feel like the fact that you brought this up and made me think about this movie again i'm gonna request on venmo that you pay me five dollars right. because All right. that is it is such a oh it's such a is bad it a, movie. is it a take on this movie? absolutely not at all like not in oh. any way it's just called all about steve this was the year so this was the fascinating year where sandra bullock won the razzie award uh and the, yeah, yeah she won the razzie award for all about steve and won the uh, the Oscar for The Blind Side, which is uh, really weird because those are both bad movies. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I was going to say, I think you could flip those and it'd still be weird. Yes, exactly. <laughs> People would still do it. I mean, it's it's a take on All About Eve in that the in that the guy's name is Steve and that rhymes with Eve. It sure does. So. <laughs> and she's all about him in that movie. Uh, she uh, really is. Um, man, movies, they've come a long way. Um, you know what is an, sure. uh, you know what is actually a take on All About Eve? Uh, the 1970 musical. Applause. Um, like all 
uh, great quote unquote uh, musical theater adaptations of films. Uh, applause did that wonderful thing where they did not keep the title of the movie. They were like, let's make our own. But there is actually. They named it after the Lady Gaga they song. They named it. After the Lady Gaga song. Even though they didn't put that in there. It's I so, can't believe it's, it's so not on strange. the score. I it's wish, weird. I, yeah. I wish that Charles Strauss and uh, Lee Adams had the goal to be like, we should really put that song in there. It won't yeah. be written for a you few minutes. Miss Gaga, her. we're sorry. Credit mm-hmm. her. Credit her. Exactly. She's an Oscar oh. winner now. I mean, Credit her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once again, it's Pride Month. Lady Gaga, come on. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. mm-hmm. um, so Give her her due. <laughs> So a few interesting things about pause, pause. Um, so of course uh, so Charles Strauss and Lee Adams uh, composing duo they wrote uh, Bye Bye Birdie um, Charles Strauss would go on to do the music for uh, Annie um, yeah but, but yeah Strauss and Adams they wrote yeah Bye Bye Birdie Golden Boy uh, they wrote the uh, classic it's a bird it's a plane it's superman the musical about mm. superman um but yeah they were just like we want to do a musical version of applause of, of all about Eve. we want to do a musical version of all about eve um sure that sounds great um 20th century fox was like no we don't know no thanks uh we're okay with that you you're not gonna do that um so they but they could what? purchase the stage rights to the wisdom of Eve, the short story that All About Eve is based on. So they, yeah, so they couldn't take any dialogue or any characters from All About Eve, but they could take, they could obviously write their own stuff and they could only take stuff from the short story. So that's what, Which sort of begs the question, why do this? Because they like the story. Because they like the story (laughs) and they thought it could sing and they were curious about what, Uh. and you know, there's, I, I no, I get it because it's like, hey, we're theater people. This is a movie about theater people. Let's turn it into a piece of theater, like theater. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. it make I, I, it does. It's not as bewildering to me as like some of the other show episodes that we will have and will cover. Like it, the the equation is there. Like I can see it mapped in front of me, Minority Report style. But it's like, <laughs> uh. Yeah, I just move it around. <laughs> but but I would also, it, it's so interesting to me that they're like, you know what we love is all about Eve. And then they're like, well, no. And so they're, I, it, it just is a little baffling to me, especially because I'm, as I'm sure we'll kind of keep going with the history of it. It's like, if you had just, I feel like either do the thing or, or do your own thing based on the tropes of this thing. Like, Mm-hmm. To me, it's kind of maddening that they're like, yeah, this is Marco Channing. This is Bill Sampson. But we're not going to say anything that you know or remember or love about the movie because we can't. But then it seems like then do then don't do them. Do, go somewhere else. Well, so, and- so what's interesting? Yeah. So they and so they bring on in, in 1969, they bring on Lauren Bacall to play Margot Channing. I mean, iconic. Great. Good. Beautiful. Good, wonderful. Good mm. choice. Um, yeah. They originally had. I miss that nobody sounds like her or Elaine Stritch anymore on Broadway. Just like, ha! I love that. Just like it's so loud and like almost. Like verging on obnoxious sometimes, I and I love it. I yeah. miss it. Everybody like, sings like this now. Yeah, it's like the Kathleen Turner school of talking, where you're like, yeah. you're just not hey. afraid to be like, yes, it is me. Like everyone is like, yeah, that's just my. Don't be afraid of altos. Don't be afraid mm-hmm. of altos. I beg of you. Um, but yeah, so they originally got this writer, uh, Sidney Michaels, to write the book. Um, they thought his book uh, was not great, so they brought on. Uh, 
historic uh, lyricists and book writers Betty Comden and Adolph Green to write a new book for the show. Uh, they updated the story to be a present-day story, so they're like, well, it's not 1950 anymore, it's 1970, so it's going to be set in the 70s, which, eh, sure, whatever. Uh, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, and so, yeah, they couldn't uh, they couldn't have Addison DeWitt, so they replace him-ish with the character of Howard Benedict, who's the producer of the play. Um, mm. Birdie, as well, could not be in there, so they replace him... Replace her with Dwayne Fox, the the gay hairstylist, um, who gets to have fun quips because he's a gay character in a 1970 musical. Um, well, and like, and granted, so I I don't know musical history as well, but in terms of there being like openly gay characters in musicals, where are we with that being like, to being something that is like this. You know, and I mean, in in, in the musical, you mean they in twenty twenty one? Because I would say not good <laughs> is where we're at still. I mean, we're so great at it now. Uh, you know? I mean, like I would say, like I mean, like hair. This is like around the same time as hair as well, right? Like I don't know, uh, sure. like and that was sort of like a openly like everyone's fucking everyone uh, musical. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, because they in in this musical in applause they go to is, is it explicitly like we this is a gay club or is it just more like there's a bunch of guys at this club and they're all fabulous. It's like it is like they're all in the navy. Somehow. I was gonna say it is <laughs> it is pretty much like explicitly like a gay club without actually saying we're at a gay club. Like yeah, I, would, I was yeah. gonna say, yeah, I feel like that's where it was, and and in a lot of cases still is, especially in film, uh, yeah. is like. You can be gay coded all day, but like you're not going to kiss a man yeah. right. on screen right. or on stage. You're not certainly not going to be in love yeah. with no. a man. And then again, like that again, that even that even barely happens with contemporary musical theater. Like I know, is, I'm, I, was, I was only halfway yeah, joking. Which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, so you have like so yeah. yeah, so you have Dwayne as like the fun like queer side character, but like again, yeah, I feel like that was just like the extent of it, which is right. Yeah. So because it's like I mean, obviously, like I I missed. Uh, Birdie and I miss you know a Thelma Ritter type which would would have been fun but it's kind of like it, it's it's also representational to have, have sure. this character but it's sort sure. of not it's it's a little bit like here's some crumbs yeah. you know huge sure, gay yeah. Broadway community um, oh, yes exactly but then so what and then what happens is like closer to like the show opening uh, the 20th Century Fox was like. Actually, you can have the rights. Here you go. And they were like, we <laughs> they were like, we wrote the show already. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. Th we'll put it in the marketing material. Thank you. Um, but then it does give them permission to write a song called Fasten Your Seatbelts. So I guess which isn't even like a good song, I'll say. No. Like, and I'll say, like, so yeah, so this is a Strauss Adams score. Like if you've if you've heard Annie, if you've heard Bye Bye Birdie, you kind of get a sense. And like it's yeah, it's sort of like very like classic Broadway and like hints of 70s pastiche in there, but barely. Like, you can hear a little yeah. bit of it in But Alive. You can hear a little bit of it in She's No Longer a Gypsy. But, like, not really. These are sort of just, like, when you think of a Broadway ballad, like, that's what a lot of these songs sound like. And some yeah. of them are good. Like, I, I don't know. I like, um... I, I, I do like the title number. I think it's kind of a bop. Yeah. yeah. Um, which which yeah, is... It, became like a, it. it was a single. So, Bonnie Franklin, who plays this character... Um, 
I think her name's Bonnie. I think the character is just, yeah, the, the character is just named Bonnie uh, in the in the show. Um, and she re- makes releases a single of this song uh, that is, uh, the single, I believe, is arranged by uh, Marvin Hamlish, of course. Um, and it becomes like a run, who knows? And it becomes a runaway, Why not? it becomes a runaway hit. Um, that song in particular reminded me of like the exquisitely beautiful John Mulaney SNL musical sketches. Where it's sure. Like, Here's a bunch of different things and everybody's singing about those things. And it was like, <laughs> yes, beautiful. Like mix all that together. That, that to me, I was like, I would watch this number for 20 minutes. Like, oh yeah. That to me, that, that was like musical theater. I love that. <laughs> oh, so actually I think but then, this is a good question. You know. uh, Cause Eileen, obviously I know you're a big film person. Um, you, you are, you write beautifully about film. You document film. Uh, on Instagram, really wonderfully. Um, Thank you. You do, you do. So, are you, uh, but I'm now I'm curious. Like, what is sort of your history with musical theater as as a genre, as a medium? Yeah. Well, I I am not uh, I'm I'm not a musical theater person. I love it, but I I went to theater school and I quickly learned that like oh, these bitches are not singing My Fair Lady. Like, got it. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, so I love, like, I, I, I tend to love the, like, big, giant kind of 1960s film musicals. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, like, uh, Oliver and My Fair Lady and, you know, fucking Fiddler on the Roof is probably my favorite musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like a lot of stuff. I just am not... Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a musical theater kid yeah. and I never really was. I mean, I was in guys and dolls as drunk man. So don't, don't be nervous. It's okay. <laughs> um, you know who, you know who directed <laughs> the film version of guys and dolls? Mank Joe Mank. Joe Mank. I saw that. I was like, Joe, I didn't even realize we were so connected. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I tend to be um, a little bit more interested in, um, into the musicals where like the, the songs push the story along. Like I'm a big fast forwarder of, you know, seven brides for seven brothers. I'm like, all right, let's get past this like love song from Howard Keel. Just let's get, get to, to the raise in the barn sequence. That's all we need. Mm-hmm. Let me see Frank in those tight pants. That's what I oh, want. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see those boys in those boots dancing on tree trunks. So you love to mm-hmm. so you love applause then a song where, where every, where a show where every song uh, is all about pushing the story forward. It's, it's hard. I mean, I, I, I guess too, I'll say that I feel like my musical taste is like not very refined because I do love Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I also like like company and I like yeah. in the height, you know, it's like I'm a little all over the place, but I if I don't like it, I know it. Sure. Fair. So what what's your what's what's one you hate off the top of your head? Um God. How would you bring such negativity to, into this podcast? I love negativity. <laughs> <laughs> it, it balances things well, out really well. Uh, here's what I'll say. I'll, I'll go the opposite way and say that a musical that I love and that makes me cry so hard is Shrek. Damn. Wow. Hot take. Love it. Hot take on the love pod. It. Yeah. 
So when the pod was like, oh, here's our Shrek episode, I was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to, like, like bathe in the good vibes of Shrek. Sure. Like, yeah, let's talk about it. And then I heard all of this, this uh, you know, horrible language criticizing <laughs> the Shrek universe. I was appalled, shocked and appalled. And that's why I'm here. I know. I'm, I'm thrilled that you can stand up for it. I don't know. This podcast has layers is all I'll uh, say on that. It's true. Um, it really does. But, yeah. Layers, baby. Um, so anyway, all, all, all that to say is that the beginning, so I, I watched the YouTube, uh, TV adaptation. Yeah, they made a TV version of this, which is like semi, uh, true to the stage version for the most part. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bridge yeah. for TV a little bit. Yeah. This was in the seventies, yeah. right? With Lauren. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then I listened to the the full soundtrack, and I will say whatever the first song is, but it's, the, it's like backstage. It's chatter. called backstage babble. I yeah. Love that oh, it's one. so fun. Ooh. Yeah. I love. That I one. I had a I had an adverse reaction to it only because it was like I also I mean and I love the movie All About Eve so much that it, yeah. it it's sort of hard to like I came in kind of with that chip on my shoulder and True. so the tonal shift from For sure. you know Betty Davis being like. Yeah, well, I'm just an old fucking cunt here. And then they're like, beep a doop a dab a doop a dab a I was like, ooh. Ba-da, 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 Everyone's got Producer. da <laughs> Broadway to do 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 boop And I, again, I this may be the way I speak now, coming out of quarantine, to be like, well, Seriously. I don't know. I did a lot of ba-ba-dee-boop, and then I did a lead-up, and then do do boop and then who knows? Netflix, ba-ba-da-beep-boo, Animal Crossing. <laughs> Yeah, so and so I think that is sort of the biggest thing, right? So as I sort of I was I was trying to tee up, sort of like so All About Eve again is a show. All About Eve is a movie about the entertainment industry. It's a movie about theater actors, but it is more interested and focused on the character dynamics. Applause is like we are a show about Broadway, and yeah. that is it. Uh, so it's like so. It's a little exhausting out of the game. A little bit. Um, yeah. And it's and, and like they don't even like they. They're like, well, obviously they couldn't have the Sarah Siddons Award originally because that was created for the film. So they're just like, it's the Tonys. We're back at the Tony Awards, <laughs> uh, which is fine, sure. Um, but then, yeah, it is. It's just interesting, uh, and even just like seeing, just skipping ahead to to Tony's, um, like it's really telling that Lauren Bacall uh, is nominated for and wins the Tony Award for Best Leading Actress in a Musical, uh, probably deservedly, I would say. Um, but then uh, Penny Fuller, who played uh, Eve Harrington, is nominated in the supporting character category. So it's just like, and obviously, like. Category, quote unquote, category fraud is a thing that happens. It's like obviously, even this like this past year, we had the whole thing with Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya both being nominated and supporting for Judas and the Black Messiah. Because yeah. as we know, the lead of that film is the word the. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, <laughs> and the yes, but it, so yeah, so obviously, like that shit happens all the time, and it's all about like what like guilds think and like what producers campaign on, etc. But it is just interesting. That that sort of like how things played out. That the musical is like, and but and it is in the text as well. I would argue it's like this is a musical about Margot Channing. This is about yeah, and like she and like she frames it like in, it's interesting. Like you know, like in the stage in the mu 
it's interesting in the movie how like we get these voiceovers from three different characters, but then here mm-hmm. we just it's mainly framed through the flashback of Margot at the very top during the Tony Awards ceremony. So it's just like upfront, yeah. this is the Margot Channing musical. Well, and even I think by casting Lauren Bacall, and I am not familiar with, is it Penny Fuller? Penny Fuller, like, yeah. You know, I mean, you have, you have fucking Lauren Bacall. That's who you're here to see. That's drawing the people in. And yeah, I feel like even in, in the musical, Eve is, is just doesn't really have that much, even in applause, she's sort of sitting there watching that number. Whereas yeah. in the film, she gives the the monologue about applause and she's like sitting on the stairs, like, it's the applause that we need. Whereas in the musical, she's like, <laughs> it almost feels like, I, I wish they'd set it up better in the musical because it feels like they, they want to trick you that she's getting pulled in by the business. Yeah. Whereas she actually, from the beginning, she is, has these machinations, but it just doesn't execute that twist as well. I mean, partly because of, if you've seen the movie, you're like, I know that this bitch is going to go crazy, but (laughs) she doesn't seem as active in the musical as she does in the movie. So I, I, I buy supporting, like she is not a lead in this. Absolutely. Yes. Um, which again, like I, I like, and I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm semi torn. Cause it's like, you know, we, this is a, just a, a dilemma, if you will, that comes up often on the podcast where we're like, oh, it sucks that like this thing that felt so important in the movie is no longer present in the stage adaptation. But then it's also like, well, yeah, the stage adaptation should be its own thing. It's like mm-hmm. this is something that we literally argued in uh, in, in on previous episodes we've talked about, like a, a good adaptation is one that says something new about the thing it's adapting. Um, which, yeah. uh, whether you like applause or not, and I am fantastically in the middle of the road on it. I don't love, <laughs> yeah. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It just exists. Um, but like you know, again, it is like we are going to tell this story more as a broad, uh, a more of a behind the scenes Broadway show, and that is what yeah. it is bringing to the to the world of Margot Channing and Eve Harrington. Whether you like it or not, like it is putting a new spin on this story and not just completely mirroring all about Eve. Um, initially because they legally couldn't, but then I think that's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then obviously, I mean, and you know what? Sometimes that can be good, right? It's like, yeah. I feel like if they had gotten the rights, then we would have just seen like all about Eve on stage. Pretty straight. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. some songs. Which actually, a, another a n- note that did happen. Uh, this was very recently. There was a stage adaptation in London, I think uh, it, it was directed directed and adapted by Eva Van Over. Uh, he adapted Great. All About Eve. All About Eva. All About Eva. Did everybody at the end of the of the play did the Sarah Siddons Award just explode into blood? I would have Is to that... imagine. Yes. Oh, cool. Um, but no, like there were like there were cameras everywhere, like lots of projections, all that mm, shit that he loves. It was Julian uh, Anderson played Margot Channing. Oh, I feel like I did hear about this yeah. now, and it just kind of and, went out of my head. And Lily completely. and Lily James played uh, Eve. Eve, that sounds yeah. right. It's a, that I, sounds I would right. have seen it. Wish I could have seen yeah. it. Love both yeah. of them. And that's that's the thing. So I, I also on the on one of the commentaries they said that this that the screenplay for All About Eve was released by Random House like as a play. Sure, and it was one of the first screenplays ever to be like 
released like that to the public because it was so popular. Interesting. And I mean, that's the thing. Like I, I, I haven't heard a lot about, too. I know How why is that in my head, <laughs> Okay, Brian. but like it should, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it feels like it should be on stage more as yeah. a straight play. It's I mean, like we, got we, so many great characters. we said at the top of this, it's such a inherently theatrical dialogue. It just, it moves so beautifully like that. It's yeah. We said almost like an, out- I say, just show the movie. <laughs> don't, you know, we don't need to do any of this. I mean, that's the reason the it's good thing. is because it's a great movie. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, and this is, so uh, also I haven't, I didn't do all of my Joe Mang research, but apparently he didn't work in the theater. It wasn't like he came from the sure. theater and was oh, like, interesting this person. And it, made me think of how like it's so frustrating that he has such a great read on the theater in the same way that like nick (laughs) nick kroll and john mulaney just read the theater for phil in oh hello very true like hey that's it's only funny when we say it about ourselves like my god it it is it is Funny and infuriating when people who are quote unquote not in the theater industry are yeah are able to so incisively like diagnose um what the fuck is wrong with it. Well, and then I think so. The musical sort of feels like theater people loving theater yeah. people being theater people. Yeah. So it it feels a little inside baseball, and it it I think the film has enough cynicism and has enough distance to be like you know, the bill has this big speech about like the theater, Donald Duck, and you know, has all this shit. And I kind of buy it because it, it's not making a fool out of him, but it, it's kind of making him be a little bit more grandiose than he should be. Whereas the musical is like the American theater. Isn't it grand? The American theater. Yeah. You know? And I, I mean, I, and this, there is still a little bit of that incisive commentary. And I do, again, you, you have, you add this Bonnie Franklin, this Bonnie character and you add the characters of like the chorus people working at Joe Allen's. And I think there is, you know, there again, it, because you don't have the, the ending with like the Phoebe character in the stage show. Um, so it, it does, you still get that layer of these chorus actors and these just like young actors being like, Oh, if it could happen to Eve Harrington, I bet it could happen to me. So you still get yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that, that sort of like self-perpetuating cycle of like, Oh, I bet it could happen to me. It's not going to happen to you. Like that still exists in applause, <laughs> even as much of a yeah. Like it is, it is both a takedown, but ultimately a tribute to the business we call show. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the chorus having, I think the chorus is a great addition to the to the story because in the movie it's very contained. It's these mm-hmm. you know several characters. I mean the cast list is literally like ten people. Yeah, but being able to see all of these chorus people who are just like many Eve Harrington's, like they're just waiting for their big break. Mm-hmm. I think one of the lyrics in uh, applause is like, all you have to do to get your big break is work for 10 years. <laughs> I was like, and guess I was what? Like, <laughs> Not even true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. speaking from experience here, mm-hmm. your, your big break is a self finance show at a black box that 12 Fucking people see. Awesome. Hey, cool, 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 hey, cool. hey, Eileen, I was one of those 12 people and it was a great yeah. show is all I'll say. <laughs> We don't even Bless. have Abby Fest anymore. Uh, <laughs> always in my heart. You've, no. you've got, you've got the poster heart. right behind your head, the Abby Fest poster. <gasps> yeah, I saw, Beautiful. speaking of Michael Shannon two hours ago, um, <laughs> I saw him in some like late night stuff with a Red Orchid Theater oh, yeah. several times. Gosh. Abby Fest was a beautiful, was it 20, 28 years, 26 30 years, plus. 30, 30 plus? Beautiful. I think they did 31, 32. 
long running festival where you could literally do anything. Yes. I so good. did it every year for like five years and I did everything from like a full one woman show to like hitting a cupcake with a hammer mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. hitting myself in the face. Like it was, uh, just so many wonderful, weird artistic things yeah, there. That was, my, that was like one of my biggest regrets is that just, I never got around to being able to do something for Abby Fest. And then it is just not a thing. Um, yeah. Mm. Ah, it, it ain't like it used to be. That's I know. Sure we, not. That's a star. Uh, that uh, Angel Island is a Starbucks and uh, like half a million dollar condos now. We need a. We need something new and sexy to take over. We need like a Phoebe Fest to Ooh. take over. Phoebe Fest. Fest. That's too gr- dark to call it Phoebe Fest. <laughs> Phoebe Fest. <laughs> She's like maybe more of a psycho. Bonnie than Fest. Even, even. We'll call it yeah. Bonnie Fest. Bonnie <laughs> Fest. Yeah. Birdie yeah. Fest. Birdie Fest. Birdie <gasps> Fest. Thelma. Oh, Thelma I'm Fest. In. Thelma Night. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to do a one-woman show as Thelma Ritter where she's just complaining about her back pain. Ah, amazing. Um, do, do we have a, again, like I, I sort of alluded to the songs in totality. Is there is there a, a song that any of you all like gravitated to uh, specifically? That The Halloween one's okay. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It feels like the Torch song. It's a little wait, formulaic. Wait, which one? But it's called like Oh Halloween. Oh, or oh yeah, yeah. One Halloween. Yeah. It's sort of like one Halloween. It's like Eve's like big, like almost like quote unquote yeah. villain, song. villain song in the second act. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. okay. I also like the welcome to song. Welcome to the theater. Yeah. The, it's that in the first mm-hmm. act, maybe, or it starts the second act. But I like that there's a lyric about like welcome to the pinches from the stage hands, the only quiet thing they do. <laughs> and it's like, oh great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked um I liked alive. Is it is it alive? I, it, but but alive. But alive, yeah. yeah. But alive, yeah, that's a good one. Being alive, you yeah. know, something. Um <laughs> That was next year. I, yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. I mean it's it's sort of one of those like big numbers, you know, like big charactery kind of like here's my song. But I love that she's like I feel bitchy and twitchy and sure. like yeah. That to me was was fun. That's some fun and, lyrics, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lauren Bacall is like dining out on it so you're like great go girl get it and that's the one that transitions into them going out to the the club in greenwich village right yes all right Mm -hmm. so it's just sort of a very like big 70s number and yeah i like that one um i will say the the fasten your seatbelt song (laughs) is so I, I, I mean, and again, it makes sense because I'm sure they wrote that in like, you know, a short amount of time. Yeah. And they were like, we just, we got to say the title over and over again. I know. But it just felt like, it felt like the, the, the race scene in My Fair Lady where they're like, send your seatbelt, it's gonna be hot. And you're like, oh, you're like, you're at a really like bitchy, crazy party. Like, why are you acting like I know. you can't it's breathe? Such, it's yeah. so mute. I took yeah. my seatbelt off. I was how bored I was. <laughs> it, yeah. it is so, was yeah. Like, it musically, Unclipped. it musically doesn't make any sense with the tone of what no. they're going for. It's, it is, it is kind of like hilariously ironic that the one song that is literally paying homage to a moment from the film is maybe the worst song in the entire show. That kind of says mm. all that needs to be said about applause that like, it's, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's, it, for the most part, owns that it is its own thing, 
um, as much as it can. Um, it completely changes Eve's trajectory in the second act. Like, no queer coding at all. She is sleeping around with everyone. Um, I believe, but that's, I will say, in The Wisdom of Eve, the original short story, I believe she does end up with Lloyd Richards, or Buzz Richards, as he's called in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe, well, yeah, they, they did change that for the film, but I think that is the actual original ending of the short story. Because well, what I think is so funny in the film when she's talking to Addison about Lloyd, she's like, Lloyd and I are going to get married. And it's so funny because like 1950, basically like we're we just met each other and we're going to get married means like we really want to fuck each other. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> we, we got to get married. So it just is funny that it's like yeah, we've decided to get married before he's even divorced. And you're like, oh, I understand what this means because of the code. You know, you can't just be like, <laughs> we want to go to a hotel and like fuck each other's brains out. It's just funny to me. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so, yeah, Bill Bill leaves Margot for a hot second in the middle of Act 2. I was like, all right, okay, this is interesting. That, like, they're completely changing the relationship dynamic, uh, at least from the film, of these two characters. Uh, but then, yeah, Eve's sleeping. Eve, had like, has a one-night stand with Howard, and then Howard, like, uses that as, like, a manipulation over her career trajectory. Again, in a similar way that Addison does, but again, like, with more of a sexual uh, hook to it. Um, I do like uh, Margot has this great line, Eve, you four-star bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's a, that's, a, that's a very biting line, mm -hmm. if there ever was one. I wonder if that was a Bacall, like... Improv, yeah. Improv during rehearsals I bet. that made I it to the book. I would it sounds... put money on that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but then, yeah, Bill comes back in the end. Um, yeah, like... Margot ends the show with the song uh, Something Greater, which, yeah, also is like, I don't know, I like that one too. It is it is nice when, like, a show ends with just, like, a sad solo number. Obviously, it becomes a duet because Bill joins in the end. Um, Bill is played also in the original Broadway production by Len Cariou, uh, wonderful singer, wonderful actor. Yeah. Uh, he'd go on to be Sweeney. He'd be on, go on to be... Uh, uh, Frederick in old night music. Um, but yeah, he's mm -hmm. lovely in this, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I like it when musicals end with sort of sad introspective numbers. Um, mm -hmm. and this one does. Well, that song feels like her monologue in the car a little yeah. bit in the yeah. movie, you know? And like, I think that that's sort of the, I do think that that's sort of the apex of her character in the movie is that scene. Like we do get her at the end and we get her like, and bill like sort of, finally admitting and like her sort of accepting like Bill's love yeah. and like being more proactive instead of before, like, Oh, you're going to leave me. You're going to leave me, you know, like she is before. But I mean, I think that that monologue in the car is sort of the end of her character arc. Yeah. And then to put that sort of same sentiment in the mu musical at the very end is good. It yeah. is good. Yeah. And yeah. again, like b because this is the Margot Channing musical. Yeah. It makes sense. It's, it is yeah. the end of her arc. So it's going to be the end of the show. But then you have that song, you have this lovely moments and then just the cast comes out to battle and then they're just like, applause, applause. It's like, yeah. oh, right. Well, it's a musical. Oh yeah. Right. Cause like the whole, I mean the whole, uh, yeah. Her character arc is like, she learns that there's more to life than the theater. Applause. Yes. And then like, well, Cass comes out to scream applause ten more times. So you're like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, they, I mean, what they're not going to walk out like just you know in nice little lines bowing. I they've think got to dance. On I stage. think that'd be nice. <laughs> just 
just a silent curtain call. Just acknowledge what you. I don't know. Whatever. Musicals are weird. Um, this show isn't. (gasps) Dare to not have a curtain call. Mm-hmm. That's my that thing. That would be pretty ballsy for this show. For like, that would be a pretty cool thing because it's like the audience is like, great, now we get to do the thing that they were talking about all, all night. And it's like, no, you don't. No, live Sorry. with it. Live so, with your feelings. So it's interesting. So, yes, yeah, so like I said. <laughs> So yeah, so this show uh, <laughs> won the Tony Award for Best Musical, um, and I'll, Alyssa, I'll be honest, it didn't have a lot of competition. Uh, it was up; mm. it was one of three nominees. Uh, it was uh, a musical called Coco, uh, which based on the life of Coco Chanel. Oh, weird! Never heard of that. Glad we don't do it anymore. Yeah, I feel like they've <laughs> tried to make. Like three movies about Coco Chanel, and none of them have ever done very well. I mean, she was like a literal Nazi, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, you know so who starred. Uh, you know who starred uh-huh. in this musical as? Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, yeah, Catherine Hepburn was in it. Oh, wow. What? Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, Weird. girl. Catherine Hepburn right, played, girl. and then the other show uh, was Pearly, which is actually a, a pretty fu- okay show. Uh, Pearly, yeah, P U R L I E, Pearly. What um, is that a character's name? Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Brad. Um, <laughs> Great, but yeah, so but yeah, so it won best musical, it won uh, best actress, it won director. Uh, the Ron Fields was the director and choreographer of this show. Um, whatever um yeah it's but now it just like isn't done like it's so interesting it's one of those like winners of best musical that just like okay like no one does it moving on everybody much. Right. Like, yeah i mean like uh new york city center's encores did it um Brian, you know who starred as margot channing in this production of encores it's our favorite 9-11 truther, Chris, oh, hell yeah. Christine Ebersole. Woohoo. Yeah. She is my favorite 9-11 truther. <laughs> I, I have to say she's probably my favorite too. I, yeah. I made a list and she, she ranked number one. Yeah, she's on, she, you made a list. <laughs> that, he, she, you know, right above like my weird uncle. Like that's <laughs> my <laughs> second favorite 9-11 truther. <laughs> But then, yeah, like uh, like a local company like Porchlight did it a few years ago as part of their like revisit. Like people yeah. will do it as like a musical, like to look back on. They'll be like, oh, well, it's, it's sort it's of part like, of like a retrospective series. But no one will ever be yeah. like, we are doing applause. Right? It'll be like, why doesn't anyone do this? We'll do it, and you're kind of like, well, then, but then you and you're doing it. So like, it's okay to yeah. just do it if you want. It's it's an interesting thing. It's it is a. It is a fascinating curio of a show. And again, yeah. it is like, sure. it, yeah, and it's, I don't know. It, it is both a lovely extension of the film, but also just its own weird thing uh, that, again, yeah, I think because they couldn't get the rights initially, they took their own choice. They made choices. And we love it when they make well, choices. You know, love some choices. I wonder if, like, I, I think that the problem with the musical, it, it doesn't, stand on its own enough sure so it is it is tied to the film intrinsically and this is now a film that is 70 years old jesus yeah so wow how many people are like you know oh yeah let's go see that movie based on all about eve like there's that it's sort of lost that cultural cachet i mean people certainly still know the movie but it's not it's not within the zeitgeist uh, like of a daily uh, american's life or a daily theater goer's life i would say for for 
for people who are buying tickets to, to theater. Sure. Um, I mean, but at the time it was only 20 years old, 20 years ago. Yeah. So it would be like, be like us adapting. Yeah. Like uh Shrek, Shrek. to as a musical. <laughs> exactly. It would be the brilliant idea of adapting Shrek. Um, but yeah, so it's, okay. it, I, I, I can see why applause isn't done anymore, but I also feel like there are so many plays that are like, do we, do we need to do Oklahoma again ever? No, we could do applause. Not that they're like equal in <laughs> scope, but you know, skip Oklahoma, do applause. Hey, give it up for applause. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've come to the conclusion of our discussion on All About Eve and applause, but we're not done with All About Eileen because Eileen, Mm-mm. Eileen Tull. At the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, we ask our guests a very important question. So, Eileen Tull, if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, what movie would you choose? All right, I have 12 answers. No, I have oh I have God. two answers. Okay, great. The first the first one is my like this could actually happen answer and i thought it was going to come up before i forget which episode i was listening to but the person was like yeah i think these like romantic comedies are great for musicals and i was like well my answer is going to get stolen but they didn't um so my official answer is sweet home alabama okay oh damn okay yep Mm -hmm. get another reese witherspoon movie based musical (laughs) up here there is already built in uh, a, a built-in finale. Sing Sweet Home Alabama. Sure. There are many white characters <laughs> that could be on the stage. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of white musical theater actors. Um, I, I think that there are just a lot of opportunities for like uh, a nice sort of southern music, uh, country music kind of musical. Sure. Uh, numbers. Would love it. Would love to see Candace Bergen uh redo her role, her role on, yeah. on Broadway. Sure. So that's my real answer. My dream answer, okay. if someone was going to make a musical for me, and I didn't realize that this is uh, um, also a Fred Ward movie. Fred Ward plays Reese Witherspoon's dad in Sweden, Alabama. Okay. And Here's he the is... Tissue. Great. He is one of the stars of the movie. Now a musical. Tremors. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Tremors forever. Hell yes. I love that answer. Here is my song list. Please. I wrote, I wrote, I wrote an outline. Oh my God. Opening number. Yes. It's called another beautiful day in perfection. Right. You have all mm-hmm. of the people of the town being like yep. another beautiful day in perfection. Nothing could ever go wrong here. Was that an earthquake? Don't think about it. Everything's fine. <laughs> and then amazing. Oh my God. When we first meet Rhonda, we have Valentine McKee. Uh, they're driving in the car and they're like, there's a new geology student coming. She will have blonde hair, green eyes and legs that go all the way up. And then you meet Rhonda. She's got the sunscreen on her nose. So that's yeah. a number. I'm going to sing all of these. This is so um, good. <laughs> there's a this song. Is the best called... <laughs> answer we've received. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I've had such a great time. Um, a number called Big Beautiful Sky, sung by the doctor mm-hmm. and his wife, and then they are subsequently immediately killed Eaten. by yep. the worms. Right, cool. Um, there's a song called uh, The Graboids. 
The Graboids. The Graboids, please. <laughs> there is a song called The Ballad of Edgar Deems. He was the guy that was up on the tower who, who uh, uh-huh. starved to death for three days. And so maybe he comes out and he's like, bet you're wondering what kept me up there. You know, like all that stuff. Uh, there's a song called Handy Men that is a duet between uh, Val and Earl. We are handy men. Um, there is a song called You Guys Know How to Pole Vault with Rhonda oh, Val and Earl <laughs> to get off the thing. <laughs> there is a song called Under the Ground, um, self-explanatory. There mm-hmm. is a song called Stumpy's Revenge because that's what they call one of them because uh, they they tear off one of his little one of hands. Its, like, claws, right, yeah. Right. Um, wrong goddamn rec room, which is uh, the the sort of Burt Gummer, the like survivalist people mm-hmm. driving down to Bixby. Parentheses saying no to free beer. So that's like at the beginning when they're like, okay, nope, like driving down to Bixby, we're gonna get out of this town. Everything's fine. Um, a big giant romantic ballad between Val and Rhonda called Tremors. Great. Mm-hmm. Is it my heart or is it the ground? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and- <laughs> oh man, that's so good. <laughs> and then there is the final number is called Stampede, and that is like, you know, okay. So I know that in Tremors two, the graboids sort yep. of develop, develop legs and they kind of mm-hmm. walk, run around. I think we're going to mash some of that together so that we have a giant like stampede and they're throwing bombs all this stuff that's the big final number two other aspects to talk about yes please the, the puppetry i was so just gonna chance. ask you this yes mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. so it's puppetry madness because so many of those effects were practical mm-hmm. oh it is almost all of them an incredible movie directed by ron underwood who also directed oh which the fucking um billy crystal bruno kirby in the desert City Slickers. Sure. Yeah, That's yeah. what it is. Yep. So, yeah, puppetry and, like, like we have, like, little little graboids and then one big graboid and then maybe walking graboids. Um, I just, like, you have, like, something on the stage where, like, the ground is going up and you don't even see them yet. Incredible. The other element to this that I haven't brought up yet mm-hmm. is Reba McIntyre. Okay. She's in the movie. She's in the movie. She's writing Maybe. the songs. Yep. Maybe she's writing the songs. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's letting us uh, sing some other Reba songs. You know, Why Not yep. Tonight, which played over the credits, is always a good yep. song. Sure. And maybe the person playing her role in the movie would be like dressed like Reba McIntyre uh-huh. um, and doing an impression. You also have the Kevin Bacon um, element as well. So maybe there's a Footloose reference. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is a multi musical event. And I, I coming coming summer of 2023. I don't know what else to it's tell very, you. I appreciate very good move. Okay, so uh, uh, so so much to uh, comment on, Eileen. Tell so much um, to take in. Oh so God. first of all, I appreciate that you uh, gave yourself uh, an extra year and a, an extra year uh, to work on this. Like you're like it ain't coming. Like in 2023. Like let's be realistic about this. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, we've we've got to do a tryout in Delaware or something. Uh, you know. I, so first <laughs> off, I gotta say, Eileen Toll, um, this is uh, as of as of this date uh, the most ambitious uh, answer to this question. Um, you came up with a full fucking song list. Um, goals, hashtag goals. Um, I expect a demo uh, CD uh, this time next week. 
um, would be great. I'm ready. Um, or ask Reba to do it. Uh, clearly, she's uh, in the pocket for this show, too. Um, it's so funny, because this sounds like a better version of Evil Dead the Musical. <laughs> Uh, yes, a, that's what I thought of too. Um, a show that we recently covered. Um, so mm-hmm. it is. It's definitely like this. Sounds like uh, what someone like at an improv theater wishes they could write for their like joke show. Um, I'm also. I'm honestly. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if like some comedy theater hasn't already done a joke parody musical oh, yeah. of Tremors, which probably yeah, yeah, yeah. is not as good as what is in your brain right now. No, because I think Gorilla the, Tango or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gorillas tangoed about it. I what I love about the movie Tremors is that it's like it knows what the fuck it is. Sure. Like it mm-hmm. knows it's it's not Jaws, but it's not not Jaws. You know, like yeah. it's it is like it's crazy that these are fucking worms and that this is like people in trailer like like how the fuck did this happen? But also it's kind of scary yeah. and like I mean, some of the death scenes are intense. So it's like it takes itself seriously, but not too seriously. And so it's I think, literally set in a place called perfection. Like, come on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think the musical would have a lot of like um, sincere moments because some of the relationships are really sincere too. Right. Like the the uh, I could, I'll I'll talk another three hours about tremors, but <laughs> so I think it would be. It would be a comedy musical, right. but it would not be a parody musical. It would, it would be yeah. a serious endeavor. But like, I mean, this is sort of a the, the thing about Christopher Durang plays, uh, especially is like pe- silly people taking themselves very seriously. Yeah. And that's sure. the kind of comedy that I'm super into. I love it. And that would be, that will be how Tremors the Musical uh happens mark it on your calendars folks summer of 2023 Mm -hmm. tremors the musical exclamation points Mm -hmm. is coming your way uh it might be under your feet at this very moment uh eileen eileen toll thank you so much for being here it means the world um what what do you want to plug what do you want to tell people out there oh goodness um well i you know it's funny as we were kind of watching these things and preparing for this, I was like, yeah, the idea that applause is so important to creative people. I was like, after a year of quarantine and like not performing live, I get it, girl. I get why you would like lie and steal and cheat to get some applause. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel it. Um, so I don't necessarily have a lot of shows coming up, um, but I have sort of pivoted to, I don't even know quite what to call it, but like a, a, um, a separate life of film, re- film criticism yeah. is maybe I would say a, so. I yeah, would call it fair that. to say. Yeah. So I, what I did last year in 2020 was I decided to, I was like, maybe I could watch 500 movies this year. Like it's January 1st, 2020. Like, do you think I could possibly have enough time to watch 500 movies? I ended up watching 700 Hell yeah. because of yeah, quarantine. And I, instead of just like watching things and letting them fall out of my head, I decided to like catalog them and review each of them. Um, so I do a really short review of every film I watch on Instagram. It's under the um, handle is this film school. No question mark. It's a statement. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, I launched a um, kind of a, bl- a Substack blog for longer form writing. So I've done um, some a lot of stories about some films, some reviews, some uh, when the Kong versus Godzilla movie came out. I reviewed all of the chomps and stomps in the recent 
Godzilla and Kong movies and rated them by the Chompies and Stompies. Um, so a lot of really intellectual academic writing, mm-hmm. but that's all it is. This film school, um, you can follow me there. And then I am working on a hundred different things that hopefully I'll finish one at some point, you know, feel that. Yeah. We'll have links to all this stuff in the episode description. Um, yeah. If you, if you see, hopefully in the future, you'll be able to see one of the brilliant, uh, solo projects that Eileen Tull has. Uh, they're so, I've seen, yeah. I've seen like two Eileen Tull like solo shows. They are so good. They are insightful and hilarious. Thank you. And, just a good time uh so thanks for being here um as always i want to thank brand moorhead for producing and editing this show i want to thank each and every one of you for listening i want to thank emily harrington for our artwork i want to thank m modaf and josh stanley for our kick-ass theme song um if you like the show which i hope you do um you can give us your applause that'd be great what would be greater if is if you rated us if you reviewed us if you subscribed for future episodes wherever you listen to podcasts follow us on instagram and twitter at movie the musical and if you really want to give us applause you can go ahead and subscribe to us on patreon.com slash movie the musical for as little as three dollars a month because we are a triple threat podcast we've got some fun bonus content on there it is great thank you all again keep on singing and i have to mention that ron underwood director of tremors also directed the adventures of pluto nash And that is all I have to say.